0: Welcome to the Language of Ahava podcast, a podcast for families with young children. So what happens when a rabbi and an early childhood teacher walk into a podcast? I think it's going to be fun, and I'm sure it's going to be about connections. Hi, I'm Karen DeWister, and I'm the early childhood teacher.
1: And I'm David Steinhardt. I'm the senior rabbi at B'nai Torah congregation. Every conversation that I have with Karen is always fascinating and leads to new ideas. So joining together with Karen, making connections together is really what our goal is.
0: I thank you because what the perspective that you bring to my world and my experiences from the Torah, from tradition, from community, um, from parenthood and grandfatherhood, it's all magnificent. So here comes our podcast. Uh, We'll be posting every other Friday, just before Shabbat, because we want to make these connections with you. And when you give a little ahava, you make this world a better place.
1: I'm ready, Karen. Let's get going.
0: Here we go. Welcome to episode number 13 of Bedtime Routines and Rituals with dads. So this week, we're talking to two hands-on, all-in dads about bedtime. And I think that's a really interesting topic for a podcast called The Language of Ahava, because to me, bedtime is that space of love, of connection, um, and of building those values that you are planting the seeds for with your children. Maybe it's sweet and peaceful. Hmm maybe it's wild and crazy. You guys can tell me how that's going for you. So, Our two dads today are Howard Davis, who his wife says carries 98% of bedtime with three kids and one on the way. Howard's saying 99%. And and we also have Dustin Cabre, who's a dad of two boys, also a psychotherapist. So he can wear two hats today. But I invited Dustin back because way back when we did a couples podcast and mom kind of threw dad under the bus for messing up the bedtime routines. So I want to sort of get that perspective of um, consistency, continuity, and disruption that dads might bring. But I'm here with my awesome co-host, Rabbi David Steinhardt. Rabbi, hey. how are you this week? And Aaron, How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Dad's in bedtime. What do you think about?
1: Well, what immediately I think about my own experience having raised three children and being very involved in those, uh, in that ritual at bedtime. And I have really positive feelings about it. But I'm starting, I'm also thinking about it a little bit in terms of the meaning of ritual and the meaning of transition. So as we get into the conversation, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But I have very, very, very clear, vivid memories of putting my kids to bed. Go ahead, share
0: us a little piece of it, Rabbi.
1: Well, one of the things that I used to do is I used to make up stories. So, you know, obviously I would begin with reading stories, but then I used to make up stories and typically they were travelogues and the kids absolutely loved them and they asked for them. And my kids are, you know, they range from 41 to 32 years old and they remember some of them to this day. And it was just a way of talking about places and learning about places and a little bit about languages. And that was good. I obviously obviously i would always end with prayer and um, i think prayer at times of transition and particularly nighttime and bedtime can be scary for kids so hopefully they associated some words of prayer with comfort and they've held on to that i know they do it with their own kids you know to this day so that's that's obviously a good sign but i want to hear from these other guys
0: me too but i want to touch back on all of those because i think All of them. Okay. So Howard, tell us how you manage three bedtimes and does it feel calm and peaceful the way rabbi remembers it? Or uh, is there a different lived experience for you at the moment?
2: Okay. Hey guys, I hope you can hear me. Okay. Um, So yeah, I'll first start by saying it wasn't always me at 99%. As more kids came, the routine has changed, but when we had two kids, um, that's when we really noticed, and, and that's when the change happened, was we noticed that I would go in with my daughter or son, it didn't matter which one, and, and Julie would go in with the other, and I would be out in an efficient time frame, and she would be out in over an hour, maybe even more, and it just became so much, so time-consuming on her end that it was just like, I, the efficiency's not there, and we need to get. We need to make a change. So that's when we started changing to me. Um, it wasn't really didn't get to like be all the kids until the third. So when Quinn came, I just basically said, now that it's three, we don't have the time for for the. You know, she's the inefficiency, and that's what. She, and she knew it, so she said, let's. You know that that's going to be something I do, that I'll do and and figure it out. So um, now that it's three, I would say you know it's a work in progress always but but i have it pretty mapped out time wise during the week which there are bedtimes and school wake ups um my son who is the middle child actually goes to sleep first because he needs more sleep he is our crazy energy child so um so he goes to bed at 7:45 he is asleep you know we're in bed out i'm out of there by 7:45 7:50 at the latest um, my middle daughter, we we start her bedtime routine by 8.10, 8.15, and she is down by 8.25. And then my oldest daughter is now old enough to do it on her own, so she just likes me to come up and give her a kiss and lay for a few minutes, so 8.55 down by 9. Um, so it's definitely in a good order. And then we flop it on the weekends. My youngest will go down at 8, my son will go down at 8.30, and then my daughter will go down at 9.00. Um, the routines are very calm, very very fluid. Um, all my children are creatures of habit, and it's always this very 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 much the same. Um, I sing to my youngest daughter, and we hold hands and talk for a little bit. Um, my son and I just talk, and then my oldest daughter and I kind of go over what was her day and make sure that that we just have a quick chat. A quick chat. Um, Prayer. I would love to include, include prayer. I do not. Um, I do make sure that I tell each kid that I love them. Um, I make sure I say that every day to all of my children for the rest of my life. I'll make sure I do that at least once a day to all my children forever. Um, I think it's very easy with text and, and electronic, you know, capabilities these days to be able to do that. Um, So I make sure that I say, I love you. And then each kid, we have our special routine right at the end. My daughter will say, I love you. I'll say I love you. Good night. Good night. And then my son, I love you. I love you. And then my daughter, the same. I love you. Good night. And that's it. Um, very smooth. Very, very, very quick, easy. Now it's efficient. Um, so it's it's second nature. Very easy. I, and I, I look forward to doing it with four.
0: I love it. I love it. And I I, I'm just curious about the word efficiency. Like, I I like that you're um, in and out, but I don't want that to minimize the value of that connection, of that song, of that hand holding. And maybe that it's a special place in your heart or 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 is this um, at the end of the day, you're just spent.
2: I love my bedtime. I, I enjoy it. I'm very happy. I do it. No problems at all efficiency, I use the word just because the time length, right. It's, you know, you, I get, I'm sure I get the same out of the 15 minutes that Julie got out of an hour and 15 minutes. So it really does come down to efficiency and, you know, start and and letting the kid know that there's got to be some sort of routine and it can't just be me sitting here forever. Um, But yeah, I cherish it. I mean, if, if, you know, if you talk to my parents about things I do with the kids and, and, and my me with being with the kids is nonstop just because of my flexible schedule. Um, Bedtime's probably, you know, up there to up there at the number top, top.
0: Yeah. And, and I think there is something to be said for the short, it goes to rabbi's transition bedtime is, you know, children don't know that tomorrow's coming for them, that tomorrow's coming with joy and with opportunities and adventure. And so When we can seal it up sweetly um, and uh, when we get to the rituals, you know, you know, my favorite line from Twinkle Twinkle Kahavim is when you say Shema at night, everything will be all right. And no matter what your routine is, I think that's the message we tuck them in with is that you are safe. I've got your back. You can always count on me. And you belong here, you know. I just think that the messages that they hear through these simple and maybe even efficient routines are profound and powerful, and and we feel them too. So maybe, Rabbi, I, anything to add before we pass it to Dustin?
1: No, I'd like to hear from Dustin. You know something to. Right,
0: okay, Dustin. So oh, okay. your old routines when you used to come home and be the disruptor.
3: See, I, to I don't now. know if I would use that word. First of all, I want to say uh, thank you, Karen, for having me back uh, right away. Like fond memories of your other podcast that we used to do. We had a really good time and also nice to meet you, Rabbi, and, and Howard as well. Um, I love the topic, uh, rituals and transition. Um, it's just funny hearing from Howard. I actually uh, think that Howard would align with, with Tara my wife perfectly, right? Cause I think she would be on the efficient side and I would be on the, you know, it could go on forever. I think traditionally back when, when my kids were younger, they're seven and a half and four and a half. And I think my transition has, you know, gone more to the more efficient side than, than, than the ritual side. And I was, you know, just briefly telling Karen before this that, you know, you get home, I get home from work. I have my own private practice, but I get home from work sometimes at nine o'clock and there's a balance and, he, and my son sometimes wants to stay up. He goes to bed at seven but wants to stay up and he wants me to give him a kiss and I go in there and give him a kiss. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go eat dinner now and go downstairs. He says, wait a minute, dad, you gotta go lay with me and you gotta watch a, a little video, sing a song and all that stuff. And I sort of always hold myself accountable because that's where I, I think that when they're teenagers, when they're older, they aren't going to want to lay with me anymore. And these is a special time that I have that I'll never have back. And, and they want me like, I'm, I'm like a, a superhero. Like I'm a celebrity of some sort. And I, I just stop myself and I say, okay, let me, let me give that to them. Um, just, I happen to say the Shema every single night, um, before I go to bed, it's just something that I was, that was done for me, my mom did to me and I do with my children and we say, Shema Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one Amen. And then we, we do say like prayers for or for the next day or, or goals that we want to accomplish. Uh, you know, we, we won this, the little, this little league baseball championship and we prayed that we would play hard and we would be strong and be healthy. And, you know, and, and for people that we care about in our life. And I think that's a major uh, element of, the bedtime routine, uh, and I love Rabbi that you you know make up stories. That you know, I think my son loves me telling stories. I, I like to tell the story of the the tortoise and the hare. Um, he loves that story. Tells me to repeat it all the time, and we go over you know what the the moral of the story is. And you know, it's a it's a very special time. Um, with my son, but as I transition, I have a my younger son. It's different. Um, we still do some of the same things, but I would say that I've you know Tara has taken on more of a role with our younger son in the bedtime routine and he he prefers her, even though he wants me to be involved as well. And um, again, it's just a special time uh, that parents get to share with their children.
1: Can I ask you guys a question? I recall this uh, as my kids were getting a little uh, older, and I used to spend a lot of time doing this. I just felt the time was so very, very precious, particularly those days where you worked, and so and and kids are are vulnerable at that time, so they tend to be really open. Um, as my kids got older, and I would tell these stories, uh, it wasn't too infrequent that I would find them waking me up. You know, like I at, at the end of a long day, I'd be really tired. I'd be Lying in the bed next to them, and they'd say, "Abba, get up, get up, get up, finish the story." So the the bedtime routine often worked for me. I just had a very funny recollection, if I can share it, mm-hmm. and that is that when I was a little kid. So I'm I'm older than you guys, um, and when I was a little kid, one of the one of the favorite children's television programs was Lassie. So that's before your time.
3: I remember Lassie. I remember, Lassie.
1: yeah. So do you, when Timmy went to bed at night, he used to uh, go down on his knees and he would um, say a prayer on his knees. And um, and so I remember as a little kid going, in, going to my bedroom and getting down on my knees. And I remember my mother walking in and saying to me, David, what are you doing? And I said, I'm praying like Timmy did. And she said, no, that's what Christians do. Christians work. Christians bow when they pray, but we don't. You can say the prayer when you lie down. And then I remember saying, so what do I pray? And so um, she, they, my parents used to sing Shema to me. And then she said, well, pray for people. And so that's what I did as a little kid. You know, I would say prayers for all the people I knew and just would say, God, please keep them healthy. You know, that was, uh, and I think it's, I, I do think it's the vulnerability of, the onset of darkness that allows for those times to be pretty precious. You know, when you talk about interrupters, you know, that's the worst thing possible that a father who's away all day, the kids are all excited to do. And the mother wants to calm the kids down, you know, to go to sleep. And the father who then comes home and throws the kid up and down and gets them all excited, you know, you want them to be able to relax a little bit.
0: Well, my opinion, just to defend the disruptors is I'm okay in co-parenting guidelines If one parent chooses to be the disruptor and in some ways he feels, I'll make it a he in this case, he feels the need to have that connection and be present, mom's allowed to say, this is on you and walk away. So parents can disagree and be inconsistent, but the one who is doing the breaking of the rules has to live with the consequences. So that dad doesn't get to dump it back on mom an hour later and go, they can't handle them. You come back. She can't come back and save him and be a fixer. So if, if somebody is going to be the disruptor, then they have to live through that whole pattern and process on their own. And, mom, and then when they're exhausted from it, mom can come in or vice versa and say, you know what? If you want to shorten it, if you want it to be um, streamlined rather than efficient, <laughs> because I don't want efficient bedtimes, there's just something about that, uh, then streamline it. Here's, here's what works for us. So you can whoever sets that pattern just has to live with the consequences of it. And then because I just feel like if a dad's not coming home till nine and, the child, and they want to have that bond, hmm, I, I, I can't say no so um but as howard said and i think that was something else that was really interesting is and and i think and dustin you said it too each of your children have different bedtime styles some open up and need um you know big expressions and interactions and others are like tuck me in say good night and and i just want to fall off on my own and so each child needs exactly what they need in that routine too so um but but to the, well, let me, let me go back to Howard and, and Mom as the disruptor. Um, let's let's throw, we can throw her under the bus, we can just represent. Um, how do the children perceive each of your styles and what they get from those?
2: Um, I, don't, I mean. There's not a disruption, I don't think at all, just because none of us. Well, when Julie's doing a show or working, um, maybe, but but traditionally we're both here. Um, we're both spending plenty of time with the kids, so there's no lack of time with either parent from any of the children, um, for sure. So, I would say that they want to they want to be put down to put to bed by Julie because they never get. To go to be put to bed by julie so i just visited my grandma for for four nights in montreal um and she puts them to bed every night so so they got that but they definitely want her because they don't have her um as far as likes no no um when she puts quinn down um quinn usually still asks for me to come do my routine um she she prefers me for sure um My older daughter prefers me for sure. Um, That's for, uh, you know, Brady's my sensitive guy and definitely wants mommy. Um, But, you know, he's good with our routine. We, we've gotten it down to like, to where we're both like it and are comfortable and talk and go over the things that we want. I got to say, I really like the, this, the stories and that kind of idea. So I might try to incorporate of the stories from when I was a child. I, I, I tend to forget all the time, and I think we probably all do this. Um, is is the stuff that from when we were kids, right? Like I, I think about all the time. I mean, cartoons are probably not as good because they were so violent, but but there was so much good stuff from when we were kids that our kids should see and know. That I would love to to start doing that. I mean, it could start with me mu- I mean, I I I I, may, I I force my kids to listen to the Beatles because they should listen to the Beatles and they should hear the Beatles. Um, so I do that. I, I I was thinking the other day about Forrest Gump and I'm like, man, Forrest Gump was like the craziest, amazing movie ever. But my kids wouldn't know anything in it. They wouldn't know who Lennon is. They don't know anything about Vietnam. They may have heard of Elvis, but like, I'm thinking about the whole movie and all the good stuff. And I'm like, they don't know it. So I'm you know, maybe this will be a good kickstart for me to get get some of the good stuff from when I was a kid back to my kids.
0: Yeah. So both from a child point of view, but then I'm hearing like from a parent point of view, is there enough time in the day to do and give all that, you know? I mean, I know we only have so much to give, but it's like. I, you know, like how do you find that time to share the traditions, the rituals, the stories yourself? You know, it's you're it, and I think that's where when Julie's doing a, a a a play and Dustin's working and your schedules are pulling you out, you come back late at night and go like, yeah, but I've got to still catch up on the two hours that I missed this evening,
2: and the, and that's a struggle.
0: Um,
3: Absolutely.
2: because that, number, it, it, number of kids, number of kids is definitely a part of it. I mean, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, right? Like it's good. It's bad. It's both. I mean, if I had one kid, I could spend, I wouldn't mind. I don't think I'd mind spending an hour, but you can't spend an hour with four kids. You just can't. There's not four hours. Um, nobody has that. So, you know, I think now getting it down to a routine with, with more kids is, is definitely something that matters just because. Like you said, the time will run away, and, right. and and look, if I spend an hour with my first kid, my second kid's going to bed late. So, right, right. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a managed
3: thing. You asked me, Karen, also about COVID, and how and what what have you been doing? Um, you, I answered you for you. The kids have been back to their normal routines. Uh, Nolan's had baseball, then he has tutors, and then they have basketball. I mean, you're getting ho- soccer. Uh, you're getting home seven thirty, eight o'clock. They have reading they have to do every single night for 20 minutes. Sometimes they have a test the next day. You got to review the test as well. Then do you have time for the, the transition routine after that? They got to eat dinner. And it, it's a whole thing. We used to have a very strict bedtime of 7 o'clock. Right. But we have learned that the kids can still function if they go to bed a little bit later, if it's a little bit off the wall. Um, I'll do like a – you know. You read one page i read another page they read well you know you just you make it work and you do the best you can um you can still connect I, w- I agree with howard that with four kids it's definitely different than two kids you have more time that you can spend you can divide and conquer with two kids tara can be in bed with one i could be in bed with the other when you're alone i'm like jumping back i'm like hey i'll be back in two minutes all right where are you going i'll be back in two minutes and then you keep doing that in routine, it's it's funny also that Nolan, my older one, he he gets nostalgic about things we did when he was three. For example, one night we're laying in bed and I'm like googling videos and I googled the duck song. I don't know if you ever googled the duck song. There's like duck song one, two, and three. It's like this silly little song. It's like bump 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 bump. Duck walked into a you know lemonade stand, whatever. And he was saying that they can you play me the duck song. I hadn't played the duck song for a couple of years, and watching that with him and or listening to it is um, so special for him. And he said to me recently, he he said, you know, so, I I really want to grow up, but I sometimes miss being a baby because he misses that all those sweet things that we that we did. And I'm happy he has those memories. And I'm sad too, that we don't spend as much time. It gets less and less and less.
1: That's what you're pointing to is part of the power of ritual though, obviously. So ritual, a ritual roots us into when we do things over and over again, it, it gives us some comfort because it brings us back to the beginning. So you do this bedtime ritual and your son is remembering what you sang to him when he was three, and he's getting he's getting a lot of you know um, uh, comfort out of that out of doing that and wants to hear it again and he you know he so it roots him in an earlier time in his life and it also connects him very deeply to you singing that song and that's really it's really quite nice.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, and music can do that as well. Uh, uh, Catch yeah. the cradle is another really special song that we share and. I'm sure you have songs with your children that you share, yeah. Rabbi, as well.
0: Because with the pace of our days and and of our weeks and of our years, if we don't have that quiet at the end of the day or that pause at Shabbat, what, it's like this, the uh, the the memories can't percolate up. I mean, when he remembers that song, it's like there's an opening when you're just sitting together. And I, and I do think even as they get older and I, and I intentionally wanted dads of older kids on this podcast, because I think that the smallness of the under two group is just like, Oh, the moms and dads manage that to their perfection. But now your kids steer this and you realize, you know, it's, they're going to, ask you for what they need, tell you what they're thinking, what they remember and define all this in a new way that isn't true when they're little, little.
1: But can Rabbi. I add, can I re- add a little, like a religious dimension in, in, in this? Or I would two, like that,
0: but, yes, please. You know, uh,
1: on Friday night, there's a prayer that we say, it's uh, vishamru and the congregation stands and sings it with joy. The last two words of that prayer are Shabbat Fash. and it's referring to God. Shabbat obviously is like Shabbat, but there it means, and he ceased, or he stopped. And then the word Vayinafash, it's a verb, but the root of the verb is nefesh, which means soul. And so he stopped, and then he did soul. And so I think that, again, those transition moments do allow us to get in touch with something, something deeper, something something beyond the physical, something beyond the material. And so just like that prayer says about Shabbat, you know, it's also true, putting our kids to bed, they, when we do it, they, they know we love them. And there's something so, you know, there's something, something so more in that so much in that expression. So, uh, you know, Howard, I really appreciate the fact that you tell your kids, you love them every day, and you'll continue to forever. And, you know, and I, I feel like as a 68-year-old father of adult kids, I, I tell them I love them almost every day also. And um, it's, it, it, it's, it roots us into some, in something very powerful and gives us comfort. Yeah.
0: So, Rabbi, anything, I mean, I, and I do believe that this is soul time. And 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 so, and the reason that I wanted bedtime on this podcast is because I think it does define us as family. It defines the values. And there's an intersection between a Jewish family and bedtime routines, whether, you know, regardless of how you say those prayers, because it is your identity. And so, Rabbi, I just, if you'll just wrap us up in options or possibilities for, um, for the prayer, for the a Jewish soul connection for this for this moment in time for young families?
1: Wait, but there's, there's a lot of pressure on me for this. <laughs> First of all, I think there are books of children's prayers, which are really nice. And the last prayer that a Jew recites, and the last prayer a Jew recites every day, Shema Yisrael. That's what Dustin was saying that he, he heard growing up. And that's the prayer that I would sing to my kids also, Shema Yisrael. And that connects them. I don't know if they knew what the words meant or not, but it connected them to the words, to the melody, to the language, to the tradition, and then via hafta, and that means that you should love. And that was the, those were the prayers at the end, but any prayers could do. I also, you know, I, I'll tell you two songs I used to sing pretty regularly. One was This Little Light of Mine, which is not a Jewish song, you know, but it's, there's something, something the about it, that li- it lights up something spiritual. And I used to sing Kumbaya also, which was before I went to Jewish summer camps, I went to YMCA camps. And uh, that's where, you know, I got a hold of those songs and uh, they, they're, they're, they're comforting.
0: So Howard, we might just have to send you off with the uh, the Beatles anthology mm-hmm. for your new bedtime songs.
3: By the so, way, have you seen the documentary on Disney
0: Plus, the the video song? Yeah. Not watching it. After
1: when we close, when we close this, I want to talk about that. <laughs> <I> <laughs>
0: Thank you all so very, very much. We appreciate who you are as dads. We appreciate who you are. Um as men in, in this community and your families, and Rabbi, I just love um, bringing it all together for families. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you so much for listening today, for being part of this moment, for being part of these Ahava connections, and for trying to give a little Ahava to one another. Thank you to my co-host, Rabbi David Steinhardt, for always adding timeless wisdom and a meaningful connection to our world and to this podcast. Thank you, B'nai Torah congregation, for being our community of support and a place to share with one another. You hold us together in a world that is too often pulling us apart. Thank you to Cantor Magda Fishman for your voice, your whistling, your song and the soul that you bring to everything you do. If you don't know Cantor Fishman, please check her out at B'nai Torah Services. You will be transformed and inspired. Finally, thank you to the Jewish Federation of South Palm Beach County for helping to fund this Ahava podcast and Ahava Nature Shabbat. And to our Ahava Malachim, our angels, the families who also help underwrite these Ahava projects. For more information about B'nai Torah Congregation, the website is btcboka.org. You can also find me, Karen Deerwester, at familytimeinc.com. Until next time, Shabbat Shalom and give a little Ahava. Take care. When you give a little Ahava,
1: when you give a little love, you see. You'll make this world a better place, a much better place to be. When you give a little I have a, when you give a little love, you'll see. You'll make this world a better place, a much better place to be. You'll make this world a better place, a much better place to be.